Mindless Can, the podcast with radio personality Jane Lindley Thomas and psychologist Paul Bushel. Because every act of kindness, no matter how big or small, can change lives. In this series, Jane and Paul hope to enrich your life by giving you practical tools on how to be kinder in your relationships with yourself, with those around you, at home, work, and in your community. Welcome to the Kindness Can podcast for this week from myself, Jane Lindley Thomas, and my darling, dearest friend, psychologist, Paul Bushel. Hello, my love. Hello, Jane. So nice to be connecting with all of you on this podcast. And I'm delighted to invite a very special guest to the show. I was cruising through Facebook and I made a wonderful suggestion of Haley Nixon. And we go right back to our Rhodes days. And I was so damn chuffed and proud to see all the wonderful things that she has done since our time at Rhodes. She's gone on to become a biokineticist. She's also the world surf ski champion. How's that? And more recently, she's become a mom. How's it, Haley? Hello. Hello, Jane. How's it, my love? It's um, good to reconnect. It has been a long time. Let's not talk about when we left university, but um, certainly a lot's happened since then. Yeah. And by the looks of things, yeah, you've gone on to do some pretty radical stuff. Tell us what you've been up to. For sure. It's, it's been busy. So, so four years of Rhodes was followed by about seven years at, around Tux at University of Pretoria, doing some honors courses there and, and getting into biokinetics, as you said. I was pretty competitive in sports at Rhodes. And um, that carried on to Tux, uh, where I sort of spent quite a few years training in rowing, actually, trying to make the Olympic team. And uh, that didn't work out. And I moved back to Derbs and started surf ski paddling and, and pretty much spent the next five years sort of racing hard, at, which ended up in, in becoming world champion, which was amazing and obviously filling a lot of dreams there. But um, it's been quite a roller coaster. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I mean, looking at your list of accomplishments, and there are many, I'm sure we can agree that uh, the accomplishment five months ago has filled your heart in a way that you just absolutely never thought was possible the capacity that you can love a child so Emma's almost five months old how's that journey going yeah so you're 100% right I think um you don't know that that sort of endless love that you'll feel until until they arrive and then you don't know the endless fatigue that you will sustain once they are there <laughs> <laughs> it's been hectic people often say what's it like and I, there's this race called um the Molokai challenge which is sort of known to be one of the hardest surf ski races it's it's between two islands it's 50 kilometers long whatever and um, I often say, I, I reckon it's like doing 25 Molokais back to back. It's probably still not as hard as, as what this is, but it's so relative. Hey, it's not hard. Like you, you gritting your teeth and trying to like, just get through it. It's just, it's just different challenges. And um, yeah, thankfully, as soon as they break a smile, suddenly all is forgiven and, and you wouldn't change it for the world. I suppose it, it, the first thought that jumps into my mind, Haley, when you say that is kindness is definitely something that we are born with. And born with for a reason, because when you are doing the 25 times the hardest surf ski challenge in the world, and all you want to do is be like, like little baby, like why? They flash you a smile and everything feels better. And it's such a cool reminder to all of us that those simple, gentle acts of kindness that we're born with can completely change the situation. Yeah. Sorry, I had a funny comment on that yesterday. I had to take Ems to hospital and we had this little, um, this cute little baby next to us. She must have been about maybe a year and a half. And uh, her mum went off to the bathroom and I could have just turned my head and carried on with Emma. But for some reason, this little kid caught my eye and her for sort of 10 minutes while her mom was in the bathroom. And she just lit up and smiled and waved at me. And I just thought like, that is kindness, like just making the effort to just 
engage with the little kid next to you because her mom's not there for 10 minutes. Like, and I, I think it's only because I've come a mother that I thought, oh, I've got to talk to this baby. Shame. Look at her. Like, and it was, it was such a special experience. So, so yeah, it's, it's the simple things. How would you say your training has equipped you for motherhood? Is there any similarity as far as kind of, for want of a better word, leaning into the discomforts that you can liken to being in the most grueling physical race type of environment? Yeah, definitely. I think I've often credited sport and training to to like how you handle challenges in your life. I think you learn to be a little bit more disciplined. I think you learn to be more patient. I think through sport, you learn that like good things come through hard work um, or at least through consciously trying to get there. That um, life's not just easy. You don't just click your fingers and you have, you know, X, Y, and Z in your lap. So certainly with Emma, my, my approach has been, you know, patience. And um, yeah, I think that's helped a lot with just just being tough enough to kind of handle it and just thinking there's nothing that you can't get through, you know? Yeah. I think patience is such an important part of kindness. Okay. But in, in so many situations in our life and the world that we live in, patience seems harder and harder for, for a lot of people. And I suppose even in your work, in people's recoveries, in parenthood, we see this also during COVID to sometimes find an access that patience can be tough. So for someone listening through your different experiences, how do we access that patience? How do we nurture that inside of us? Yeah, I think if you answer that in one sentence, you'll, you'll be a millionaire. But um, yeah, I guess it's maybe it's also the team around you. Maybe it's, it's being able to take a step back, you know, maybe have some, a little bit of support so that you don't feel like it's all on your shoulders so that you can afford to be a little bit more patient. Because I know there's times when Paul's been away and I'm up with her five times a night and patience runs thin, you know, and, and like you said earlier, you want to put her down and say, just be reasonable. Like, what are you crying about? You, you can't, like they don't understand. So you can't reason with them. You have to just continue to cuddle them or continue to rock them or continue to offer them, you know, whatever form of food it is or, or cuddling toy. So I think for me, it's been a case of like trying to have a team around you so that at least you can have some support so that you don't crack under pressure. Let's talk about the process of, I mean, having, endured and been a part of so many physical tasks and races and having won and succeeded, you've obviously had to have your body and your mind in mint condition during that process. So let's talk about from woman to woman, how having come from like the the mint, mint, mint condition, and then having this beautiful round orb in front of you, and all of a sudden your body has changed shape. And how has the the relationship with your, your body been? You know, I was, I almost had a somewhat selfish lifestyle because Paul backed me to race as much as I wanted to. So I just cruised around and it was all about my training and my eating and, you know, my body and staying fit. And then suddenly it became about keeping this little baby healthy and strong. And what did she need? So that was, that was tough for me to get my head around. But again, I think this innate like love, kindness, you know, service before self comes through you and you think, well, that's fine. I'll, I'll do whatever needs to happen for this baby to be okay. But it was a bit maybe juxtaposed with the pressure that was on me because some people were still like, oh, well, you're only 20 weeks pregnant. Why aren't you still paddling? Oh, are you still running? Oh, do you know so-and-so ran until her baby fell out? And I'm like, oh, that's wonderful for so-and-so. But like, I was sort of trying to deal a little bit with with pressure from outsiders. It's like what you should and shouldn't do. But I just I just took it one day at a time. and I did what was best for Emma, but also for me. So if for me, it was a little bit, a little bit every day was important. I was aware of staying as active as I could, but I wasn't going to be this obsessive compulsive athlete who was still trying to have, you know, 5% body fat whilst being pregnant. I didn't think that was necessary. So for me, it was just a little bit every day, 
and just trying to make sure that I was I was healthy enough to to have a good pregnancy and to hopefully have a good birth. Um, I was hoping to have a natural birth and then to still be strong enough when she was born because I realized that was going to be very physically taxing. A phrase that I've been playing around with and it kind of links between the, the patient's part of our chat and this part is, yeah, I want something in my life, okay? I, I want to maintain my fitness. I, I want to stay connected to my sport. But at the same time, I also want something else more. And I've got to kind of get my head around that almost. And, and it's, yeah, it sometimes takes patience with myself, kind of trying to balance those two things at the same time and trying to work out in this moment of my life, what is the thing that I need to prioritize or I want more? It doesn't mean I don't want those other things still when I can't have them again, but mm. prioritizing what I want more in this moment. Yeah, exactly. And, and that was really, really hard because it's a case of, I still want to be an athlete. I still want to go to the next world champs. I still want to represent sponsors, but you, you can't do all of that and be pregnant and be a mom. Even the comeback afterwards, it's, it's not as easy to necessarily have a comeback to being a professional athlete or a semi-professional athlete if you don't have the right support systems in place. So there was a lot constantly going through my head. Like, But again, as you said first, this is what I chose. Like, We chose to start a family. We were lucky enough to fall pregnant the rest of it had to be put aside. Like you, you can't have your cake and eat it. You know, you can't have it all. And, uh, and at least in my case, believe it or not, I think we couldn't have fallen pregnant at a better time thanks to COVID. So, you know, I haven't missed out on a lot of racing and things like that. So it, it might've been a lot harder if the whole world had been normal. So I guess I've got a lot to be grateful for in that regard. I'm always so interested in, in mindset. And I mean, looking at, I mean, you're a Plymouth world champion. Dude, that's incredible. There are not many people I know that can walk around saying that they're a world Champ, what goes through your mind when you are up against it, vying in second position, wanting to hit one or whatever that is, that, that kind of barrier to entry? Uh, what kind of thought process, what kind of space do you go into? Look, I think a lot of that conditioning happens before the race. I think that's all part of the process of, of like years and years of, of doing something, of physically preparing, of mentally preparing. Don't focus. I just didn't care who else was out there. Like I when it did get hard, when I was lying 10th, um, I just thought, well, I've done the training. No one can tra- have trained as hard as I have. But yeah, I think a lot of that conditioning comes into planning. Well, I suppose it becomes the evidence that backs up the thought, uh, the mm-hmm. thought that I deserve this or the thought that I'm ready. Uh, when I've done the planning, me and my team have worked hard. Uh, they mm-hmm. with me. Yeah, it becomes the, the proof, right? That really confirms that thought that kind of makes it more real yeah. in a sense. So adding to the thought. So if you're sitting with a thought about wanting to achieve something or do something, really sit with that thought and add the evidence to it, the reasons why. Uh, and suddenly it takes on a life of its own. Yeah, I love that. People often say like, oh, you, and this is with anything, oh, you're so lucky you did X, Y, and Z or lucky you won. And then I think, well, maybe it's hard work that met opportunity. Like if you'd, if you'd had that opportunity, but you hadn't done the hard work, you wouldn't have won or got lucky. And I think that's the mindset you need to change is if you can line up, Doing the hard, having done the hard work, you've got the best chance of succeeding, you know, as you've said. Spoken like a true patient athlete, right? You buy your time, you do your time, and the moment will, will come. It doesn't just fall from the sky. Oh. Well, I'd had gigantic setbacks. I mean, the 2012 Olympics, I thought I was in game, set, and match, and then I didn't get selected three months out. And, I mean, that was after 10 years of telling myself I was doing this to go to the Olympics. So, after 2012, I could have thrown the towel in, but I think that's what made me so strong come 2017 was I was like, all right, um, we're not going to let that happen again. You've been through this. This is how you get back on the horse and this is how you do it again. So 
setbacks help. You know, they do make you stronger. They do make you realize. Big time. So where to from here as far as finding the balancing? Ha ha, every mother in the world laughs. Uh, the balance or the tipping point of fusing your past life in inverted commas, the kind of um, extreme way in which you approached um, your craft and motherhood. Because I assume there's this hankering to get back in the ring, so to speak. But then there's also that like, well, there's no place that I'd rather be than at home. Yeah, it's it's a good question. It's it's a hard question. I'm, I'm still digesting it, really. Uh, I desperately want to race. Whether I want to race for the top of the podium, I don't know. A, a huge part of me wants to give back now. I want to race with an up-and-coming junior who otherwise maybe wouldn't have lined up. Or I want to see development paddlers on the start line. And if it means I need to get in the front of the boat to, to, you know, to take them through the course, that's cool. I think that's where my all of this might be heading towards. Yeah. And certainly there's lots of races that lend themselves to family weekends. And it'll be awesome if Paul and Emma and I can all travel to an event and I can go and I can coach some workshops and I can race. That that would be fantastic. But I'm going to have to pick my battles wisely, so to yeah. say. If there's some really important races that I want to do, then I'll go and do them. But I, I feel like I'm moving towards a, a place of responsibility where I've got to try and give back and grow the sport now. And mm-hmm. I can be valuable in that way. Yeah, I think for a mom, like, Certainly for me, if I look at how my life has changed, I'm all about wanting to do legacy work. I'm all about wanting to do purpose mm-hmm. and leave this world um, a better place for my kids than, you know, when they arrive kind of thing. Uh, and it does. It does feel like a responsibility. Sure. And also just really just pushing through and believing that I can live in a life that I design, you know, by my rules. Yeah. Um, because no, the application's been there. Now it's just kind of like standing in and just saying, okay, I'm going to lean into this now. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, we've had challenging times as females in our sports and, and I, I've been a big part of trying to change that mindset between male and female. And I was quite ironic when we were pregnant, everyone sort of baited me and said, oh, you're going to have a boy, you're going to have a girl. And then when we found out it was a girl, I said, well, thank goodness, because somebody else is going to burn their bra with me. Like, you know, you've got to do So, yeah, there's, there's so much more other than just racing. And I keep telling myself, like, what will, so to say, winning another race do for you? And that's what I need to consider because I, there could be just as much value to gain from doing other things to do with the sport. Yeah, embracing the seasons of our life, uh, the seasons of our career and, and how they are evolving. And of course, there can be some loss and disappointment about letting parts of them go, but there can also be a whole lot of excitement and gratitude and good work that comes with entering into different spaces uh, in those careers. Well, you talk about kindness. It's, it's hard to be at the top of your game all the time. And it often can be a lot of self-destruction to get there. You know, you'll, you'll do anything to make sure you, you line up for that next race. So I think a part of this is also making sure I, I do things that'll make me happy, that'll keep me happy and healthy. And then obviously keep our family happy because you don't need extra stress if you've got a crazy mother, you know, trying to accomplish unmanageable goals, you know, with a, with a five-month-old, you know, and that's, that's obviously personal to each independent family. Question I want to ask, and I always love, we always love asking this question in a sporting environment. Is there a standout moment for you that while competing, something kind happened? Maybe between yourself and another contestant or someone on the sideline? Do you have a story that comes to mind? I have a big story that comes to mind. And it's, it's, it involves me directly, but it, it was probably the greatest act of kindness and, and set up my entire career as a race team sponsor from another country got hold of me and wanted me to go to this certain event and I just said it was it was impossible there's no ways I'd get there logistically it was in Hawaii <laughs> as you do 
<laughs> it's a long story and I won't go into all the details, but he, he basically said to me, but you're the world champion. Like it's, it's ridiculous. Of course you must be there. Like, you, you know, surely you deserve that. And I said, well, what do you want me to say? I, I can't, you know, I can't afford it. It's not in my budget. Um, he asked me a few other questions. One of them was, are you in good Nick? So I said, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm training. I'm fit. I'm strong. And then he said, I'll fly you there. And flying me there turned into flying Paul and I both there a week hotel accommodation flights and, um, entered the race, entered the race as, as sort of his athlete, obviously, given the fact that he'd flown us there. And, um, I said to Paul, because this is a big investment, you know, this, this sponsor has paid for you and me to come to Hawaii as South Africans. That's a lot. Um, I'm feeling a little bit of pressure. And uh, I went on to win the race and break the race record. So <laughs> it, was, um, it was amazing. And, and that was kindness because he didn't have to care about me. I was some random South African. Fine. Maybe I'd won the world champs the year before, but still, like, he did not have to do that. Yes, he had, had the, the resources to do it, but that set up my whole career. After winning that race, people suddenly listened to me and suddenly wanted me at events. And, and the next two years were just unbelievable. And I, I think a lot of that was to do with winning Molokai. So that was, for me, that was someone being incredibly kind to me. That was just mind-blowing. And as always, kindness is contagious because if we listen to the, the story of your career and where you imagine it going, that kindness that he planted in you, I hear it in your voice when you say, I want to go back and I want to help develop other oh. athletes uh, who might not have had opportunities, uh, who might not logistically be able to get there. And I love that. It's kindness lives in motion and, and we all have a responsibility to, to keep it moving. Just that ripple effect, isn't it? You know, I see what it did to me and, and what a small act of kindness can do to the next paddler. Or there's some up and coming juniors at the moment who they just need a bit of nurturing. They need a bit of mentorship, maybe to not make the same mistakes that we did. And uh, it's up to us as the senior athletes to try and give back to them. You know, otherwise you know, we don't benefit. Otherwise, what did we go through it for? Well, I have been so inspired by this conversation. I just love it. And from one mom to another, I just wish you all the best. Make sure that you kick that mother's guilt to the curb. And uh, one yeah. of the most profound things that Paulie ever shared with me that changed my course for good is there is this misconception that there's no time for me when I'm a mom. And if I look at my life with three small children, I definitely fell into the trap of believing that spending time on self was indulgent, but realized through Paulie's amazing words that what I would be doing, in fact, was then role modeling for my kids that I want them to grow up into adults that never make time for themselves. And that just, yeah. me. it just set me free. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not sitting at the bar every night, <laughs> <laughs> but it's striking no. the balance of saying, you know what, this is my time and there are no strings attached here. This is my time now. And you do feel selfish thinking that you're also important, but I, I think I, we might've spoken about it earlier, but like, I think if you can't be happy or put yourself first, then you, you know, you, you can't be a good example or a good mother anyway. So finding the balance between maybe not disappearing off all the time, but um, yeah. but certainly keeping like everyone's cup full. Absolutely. Yeah. Haley, we wish you all the best of luck on your wonderful parenting journey with the very lucky little Emma. She sounds gorgeous and delightful. And we also wish you so much. And I know you spoke about luck earlier. So we wish you so much luck and patience and hard work in the next phase of your sporting career as well. You've made your country proud by the sounds of things. And we're so, so lucky to have you coming back to continue to grow that legacy in your sport. So thank you for all that you do. And it's been so nice to reconnect with you. Yeah. And I, I look forward to chatting soon. Yeah. Thanks, Paul. Thanks, Jane. Thanks for having me. And thanks for what you two are doing. Thanks for sharing stories. Thanks for um, engaging with the community, giving back yourselves. It's, it's unbelievable. So thank you very much. Oh, lots of love to you, my darling. Go well. Thank you, everyone. Bye. Bye, Paulie. Love you. 
Uh, love you, Jane, and we love all of you. If you want to find out more about the work that we do at Kindness Can, drop us an email at info at kindnesscan.co.za or check out our website, kindnesscan.co.za. Chat to you all soon. You've been listening to Kindness Can, the podcast. Find out more at kindnesscan.co.za.